0: Welcome to Industry Focus, the show that dives into a different sector of the stock market every single day. Today is Tuesday, August the 20th, and we're talking consumer goods. I'm your host, Shannon Jones, and I am joined via Skype by Foolish contributor, travel guru, Um, I think you've got about a million titles now, Dan. (laughs) Dan the Man Klein is joining us today. Dan, how's it going?
1: It's good. I actually saw you for about 30 seconds a week ago.
0: All of 30 seconds we were able to, to make happen while you were here at Full HQ.
1: I don't think the listeners understand just how busy <laughs> Shannon is on any given day.
0: That's so true. And that was, I was pushing it for that 30 minute stretch. I was pretty sure I was late for a meeting with Tom Gardner <laughs> at some point. But I wanted um. to make it happen because it's always, always good to see you, Dan. Um, and I'm really excited about today's show. Last time on The Consumer Goods Show, we basically kicked off summer travel season by diving into cruise operator stocks. Um, today's show We're going to continue on that travel theme, especially as we approach Labor Day, the unofficial end of summer. So we're going to be talking about online travel booking stocks and maybe get a few tricks of the trade from uh, traveler guru himself, Dan Klein, (laughs) while we're at it. But uh, we're going to dive into two of the major online travel and reservation sites Booking Holdings and Expedia two companies Dan they control over 70% of the online travel market that is huge to me.
1: yeah and I will say is both companies have made travel easier and travel harder. <laughs> so back when I first started traveling for business uh, I'm 45 my ber- first business trip came when I was 20 so you know you can do the math there a lot of years ago we called a travel agent who had magic tools in front of her, probably some sort of computer, and figured out what the best price was for what we were trying to do. Now, when I book travel, and and I travel two or three times a month, uh, I come up there usually once a month, when I book travel, there's always this nagging suspicion that I've somehow left money on the table. Because when you look at the various properties owned by Booking, which include Priceline and Kayak and Booking.com itself, or Expedia, which owns Expedia and Hotwire and a whole bunch of other things, there's all sorts of different ways to book travel, and it's not always easy to figure out which one to use. And that sort of benefits these companies.
0: That's a good point. Let's actually dive right into Booking Holdings, because this would be the largest uh, of the two. Actually, just from a market cap standpoint, it has a markup of $82 billion right now. A company previously known as Priceline, I know it's gone through a couple of name changes now, it is Booking Holdings. That's ticker symbol BKNG. Dan, I was looking at Booking Holdings. 2019 hasn't necessarily been a great year for them so far. At one point, they were down nearly about 20% off of their highs from 2018 but but what tell us first like what is booking holdings <laughs> so, because they've so got a lot going hold, on
1: yeah they're a collection of travel sites uh, in addition to that they own open table which is somewhat of an outlier though it's obvious to see how restaurant reservations and travel match up pretty well but they they're let's call them their core sites in the US are booking.com which is kind of a traditional travel site. You go to Booking.com and you say, uh, I want to visit Orlando a week from now. I'd like to stay in a hotel, uh, and I don't want to make any stops. And it gives you the best pricing or the most convenient pricing. It actually gives you multiple options. Sometimes it's the cheapest, and the cheapest can be really strange, like you leave from one airport but fly home to another, uh, and you can pick cheapest or best and all sorts of different options. Priceline is a travel bidding site. This is actually my site of choice. And what happens on Priceline is you can go in and you can see what's available and what the prices are. Then you have a couple of other options. Priceline is famous for its name your own price tool. What that means is I can say, all right, you're showing me hotels in Alexandria, Virginia, downtown. And the cheapest hotel is the Westin for $1.99 a night. That's where I usually stay. And I don't think that's really, you know, I don't think that's the best deal I can get. So you have two options. You can go into Express Deals, and Express Deals will show you the area of the hotel, how many stars it is, and what its rating is. Basically, do people like it or not on a 1% to 100% scale? Well, I guess technically a 0 to 100% scale. And you could say, all right, I want a three-star hotel, Alexandria, Old Town, I don't care what it is, and you get it, and it comes back, and it's one of four hotels because there's only a few in the area, and you're relatively happy with it. Or you could do name your own price, which doesn't show you any price. You say, all right, I want a three-star hotel, same thing, downtown Old Town Alexandria, and I'm only willing to pay $75 for it. And you put that offer in, and it might come back to you one of well, one of three ways, really. It can reject your offer. They might come back and say, hey, nobody's willing to sell it to you for 75 but if you increase your offer to 92 you have a really good chance. Uh, in fact, I've almost always gotten my room when it does that. The third choice is it comes back and says, hey, you didn't get it, and you have the option to go in and make some changes. You can lower your star rating, you could add another area, you could change your dates, and it becomes sort of this game of how low will the hotel go? Uh, Same thing for airfare. And when it comes to airfare, there's certain parameters. You could say like no red eyes, but if it's a short trip, you might find yourself booking tickets that leave late Monday night and really early Wednesday morning, and it minimizes your trip. So you have to be really careful, but I find that it's an area where you can save a lot of money if you're not married to one particular brand or another.
0: So Dan, I have to ask, I've never used Priceline, but in using that service, the Name Your Own Price toll. What's your success rate when you submit a price? Like, would you say ninety percent of what you submit gets accepted, or what? What does that look like, percentage-wise? So, if
1: I'm using name your own price, it's probably sixty forty. Um, but that said, I'm only going to use name your own price in an area I know really well. For example, Alexandria is not a big city, and when you look at how Priceline, in its you know full disclosure area, breaks it up, you can see that there's four or five, three or four star hotels that are sort of close to the office. The farthest one away is a little bit far in the winter. So, you might want to take an Uber if it's snowing or it's really cold out. So, I know the area. And nine months out of the year, if I do a blind bid, I know that, yes, I want to get the Westin or one of the two or three hotels very close to the office. On the other hand, I won't be upset if I get the one that's about a mile and a quarter away. So, I know the area, I know every possible hotel it's going to put me in, and I'm comfortable doing a blind bid. Sometimes, I'm less comfortable doing a blind bid. Maybe I got rejected on a on one and I and I need to expand my area or I, I couldn't get the express deal I wanted, and I want to try different things. So in those cases, you really just have to do your homework, look at what's around, figure out what the brands are. You can see what was just booked. And sometimes if you do the express deal, it gives you little hints like, you've stayed here before. Well, if I've only stayed at one hotel in that area, I know what it is. If I've stayed at two or three, you have to think about, geesh, did I like all those hotels? Uh, When I stay out by Baltimore near the casinos, there's three or four hotels of the same star range. And two of them are walking distance and two of them are not. And sometimes I'd really prefer being walking distance. So it makes sense to not do a blind bid and to book something when I know what it is. So you have to be very, very strategic and you have to do your homework.
0: Gotcha. So Priceline being just one of the brands under the booking holdings umbrella, um, they've also got the Priceline version, um, Agoda.com, in their international reach. And so right now, Booking Holdings is in over 230 countries, so they've got a pretty massive footprint. Some of the other brands, I think you mentioned them. um, You've also got OpenTable, rentalcars.com. They've also got Kayak. And Kayak is interesting to me um, for a couple of reasons, but I'd say more so because Kayak really operates as really an aggregator of a lot of these online travel sites. And the reason why this stands out to me, Dan... It's because I've heard Google, I've heard Amazon, um, and other major players are also really beefing up their efforts in this space. And so when I hear that they do have some sort of aggregator, I do get a little bit excited, but what are your thoughts around so, the kayak so brand?
1: So kayak, which I use a lot, becomes almost like a, a an extra party in the transaction. So if, if you book travel, so if I book travel through Priceline, Priceline gets a cut from the airline or the hotel. If I book travel through Kayak, what happens is I put in the parameters of where I want to go and I pick, geez, yeah, I'd like to look on Priceline, I'd like to look on Orbitz, I'd like to look on, you know, four or five others and Kayak brings up these other sites and it shows me all my different options and I would assume they get paid a small cut If I book, so it becomes even more slicing up the pie different ways. I find Kayak is a very useful tool for figuring out where the baseline is. Like, hey, I want to travel to this place on this date and stay at this level of hotel. Roughly, what's that going to cost me? Oh, okay, it's $900. And then maybe I'll use other tools to figure out if I can get a cheaper deal. But you sort of need to know what, like, the price ranges. Hey, flying direct is going to cost you way less than, than flying uh, flying indirect. is going to cost way less than flying direct. Some of those things. It's really about doing your homework and doing research. I don't love Kayak as a business because I, I don't see it really being a tool where you complete your travel deal all that often. Uh, and the company does not break down each individual segment of its business. But it is very useful and it does fit very well with the rest of the family.
0: So, booking holdings, as, a, as an investor, um, as I'm looking at financials, I know they started the year pretty weak. Um, a lot of the earnings, apparently some weakness in the European markets, again, booking has a massive international presence, particularly in Europe, where you see a lot of those boutique uh, hotels that oftentimes, just due to scale and resources, aren't going to um, have staff that can list Those hotels across all these different sites, so you've got somewhat of a sticky model, especially in those European markets. And so we saw some weakness there um, at the start of the year, but it sounds like the most recent quarter, though, we were starting to see some signs of improvement. I guess the question I would have for you, Dan, is is Booking Holdings right now still like a slow growth story, or is it really just a value stock right now? Because I mean, they've gotten hammered.
1: So it's. It's both, kind of. They are going to grow slowly, but I think there is a major sort of storm cloud facing not just booking, but also Expedia. It's that every brand has an incentive to create a one on one relationship with customers. So my travel partner of choice, I, I would say, is Southwest Airlines. And one of the things you noticed with Southwest is they do not appear on any of these websites. Uh, th- that's not 100% true, but in general, they only sell direct to consumers. So if I want to fly Southwest, I book through Southwest, meaning Southwest keeps all the money, they don't have to pay a, a third party, and that, in theory, helps them keep their price down. If you've seen the recent Hilton commercials, they are pushing you to go to their app, promising you the best price, or they, that they'll they give you 25% back uh, if you find a better price. That's a little tricky too, because they won't give you a better price if you made a, a, a blind bid, because you already have the room. You can't get rid of that blind bid deal. So, I think there's a the negative headwind here is that more and more companies, whether they be airlines or hotels, are going to start finding ways to create that one-on-one relationship. It used to be you'd pay a lot more going to a hotel or airline website to book. That is still sometimes true, but there's not a lot of logic in that because when, when there are all these alternative sources, so. You know, I, I worry about Booking.com and Priceline and their ability to sort of operate as a middleman when middlemen may become less necessary.
0: Such a great point. And just looking at their uh, Q2 numbers, revenue was up 8.9% um, year over year. Looks like they brought in $3.8 billion. Um, I think one of the the metrics that matters, though, and especially for those that are, are Diving into this stock, and Dan, I know you've been watching this, but it really comes down to their actual bookings, and the, the bookings is where you should really be focused.
1: Yeah. So, so the, the great news is they booked 12% more rooms. On the other hand, their income stayed about the same. So that means that they're being squeezed on the edges. They're either taking less money as a way to offer consumers lower prices to sell to sell more rooms, or their partners are striking harder deals. They don't really explain which one it is. It could be both of them. So you want to see a growth in how many rooms they sell, because the more rooms also means the more of a habit it is. I actually go to Priceline first when I'm booking hotels. When I'm booking travel or, or plane flights or rental cars, they are not the first place I go. So, you want to see the habit build. You want to see more people use it. Um, on the other hand, you'd like to see them you know, make more money when they effectively sell more units.
0: Exactly. But I, I have to wonder, with this industry in general and investing in this space, it seems like it's only going to become increasingly crowded moving forward. I mentioned some of the bigger players, but you also have smaller players. So, I mean, can you expect to see low, single-digit Top line growth for most of these companies moving forward? Do you think, you know, in addition to all the things that you you mentioned were actually putting pressure on there, do you think this is just an overhang on the industry itself?
1: Yeah. I mean they're forecasting, uh, booking.com is forecasting between two and four percent growth for the full year. And that's fine. Um, and they may be able to, as a company, figure out how to lower expense. Obviously, they have a huge technology investment, but they don't have inventory. They you know, they, they don't need a lot of things once they get to a certain place. So they might be able to increase profitability. But yeah, I think there's increasing competition for where and how you book travel. I got my mail today, and this is going to sound ridiculous, but I had four different direct travel offers. Two from cruise lines, one from an airline, uh, one from a middleman service. So, it's like, everyone is pelting you. There's new competitors coming in. There's new ways to aggregate. There's new ways to incentivize. So, if you're Priceline, if you're booking.com, you have to constantly be adding new sites or new services in order to cut off people who are offering comparable things. Something Priceline has dabbled in is offering different deals after a certain time of night, meaning, hey, it's 7 o'clock. I don't feel like driving all night. I'm going to grab a hotel room. Hey, here's what the deals are. Well, they're doing that because there's other startup competitors that specifically that's their business. It's like you know late night hotels and you're going to pay less because you're not going to be there for 12 hours, but the hotel is going to make some money on a room that otherwise might have gone unoccupied. So, you have to keep innovating and you know that's a drag on your eventual ability to just make money
0: yeah and on top of that you really have to spend to build the brand awareness i mean for a lot of these online travel sites it's ultimately becoming a commodity right like so for me when i am looking to book travel i don't necessarily care which site i'm on i'm looking for the best price and whatever is the best price on whatever site i can find is who i'm going to go with so you don't necessarily have I guess, that strong brand loyalty. And so, it's really about spending on advertising costs to build brand awareness instead.
1: Yeah. And it's really to capture customers. So, I mean, we've all seen the endless Priceline ads, and there's plenty of booking.com ads. And the reality is, once I've input my credit card somewhere, it's a lot easier for me to purchase there. So, I don't currently have a credit card with, say, Hotels.com, which is an Expedia brand, which we'll talk about soon. So, I might find a great price there. But if Priceline's pretty close, I might book through Priceline just because I don't want to have to type in all my information and remember that I have a credit card another place. So the reality is, advertising is all about driving someone to make that first purchase. And if that first purchase goes well, that probably becomes another tool in your arsenal where it's just much easier to use it. Um, that's partly why I use Priceline for rental cars sometimes. Uh, sometimes I book through Southwest where you, you don't have to pay until you pick up the car. Sometimes I I book it through Priceline, where depending how you bid, you may pay when you pick it up, or you may pay if you do a blind bid beforehand. Um, But those are the two companies that have my credit card. I'm not necessarily going to go search out a slightly better deal, but have to go through it all again.
0: Fair enough, Dan, fair enough. Let's switch gears and talk about the other major player in the the space, and that's Expedia. That is ticker symbol EXPE. It's sporting a market cap right now of 19 billion. So smaller than Booking Holdings, but nonetheless a major player in this space. What can you tell us about Expedia and how is it different from Booking Holdings?
1: So The companies are very similar, but I I think it's fair to say that Expedia is more rooted in the traditional, let's call it a digital travel agency model, where you go to a site, it shows you a bunch of choices, gives you the brands, and you you book in a traditional way. Now, they they own sites uh, that don't do it that way. Hotwire is sort of a blind bid site. But but orbits and Travelocity and even cheap tickets, a lot of their sites are sort of based in the the old school model just in a digital way. That said, they also own VRBO, which uh, is Vacation Rental by Owner. I don't remember if that's actually their name anymore, but that's how it started. So, VRBO is an Airbnb-style service built around vacation homes or places you would stay on vacation where you can go in and say, all right, I want to go to, uh, I don't know, St. Petersburg, Florida. Can I rent a home for a week? I want three bedrooms, two bathrooms. I'd like a pool to be there. Uh, And it comes back and gives you prices. And it facilitates the transaction through generally not a brand, but a person. And they've integrated VRBO, which they bought for 3.9 Billion uh, along with HomeAway in 2015, they've integrated that into a lot of their core product where when you're looking for travel, it might also show you options or give you the option to choose options that are not traditional hotels, but residences or other properties that are through VRBO. So It's a similar but different business model.
0: And this actually intrigues me the most about Expedia, um, because they have been putting so much focus on VRBO or Verbo, as I've heard it said, um, and I've personally used uh, Verbo. I've used Airbnb before. And so, this alternative accommodation market is continuing to grow. And so, the fact that they have this under their brand um, and are really tapping into that, especially, I think, with a lot of millennial travelers who are looking for that kind of like home-like appeal, but aren't necessarily wanting to spend a ton of money, I think that that niche right there is uh, definitely met with Expedia and VRBO. Um, And so, I think, from Expedia even though they're a smaller player um granted they have not uh i guess you could say they've been hurt too um granted <laughs> their revenue and their bookings are roughly about uh about i guess you could say stagnant at this point Dan
1: Uh yeah i mean you know in the most recent quarter their their bookings are up so both companies follow a similar pattern which which is logical um and it it's also worth pointing out. So, Priceline does, in some occasions, or various Booking.com sites, offer you, let's call them Airbnb-style rentals. It's just kind of in an unbranded way. So, the the advantage that Expedia has is Verbo, VRBO, whatever your vacation rental by owner, whatever you want to call it. It, it's very—it's a brand name. It's something you trust. It's integrated into their product. And as someone who travels a lot, it kind of reminds you that that's an option. So sometimes when I when I visit the office, I travel with with another fool, usually uh, Matt Frankel or Maury Backman, uh, both of whom have appeared on this show. And when I do, sometimes it might come up and say, "Hey, you could rent this." Uh, Two-bedroom condo that's walking distance from, and you go, ooh, well that would be nice. You know, have a kitchen, have a refrigerator, that'd be great. Have a living room. So integrating it that way sort of gives them another tool, another reminder, another way to get it done, and it's helped them. You know, their revenue has inched up. uh, You know, three point two billion in the most recent quarter. That's up about nine percent. Bookings are up eleven percent. So you know, and, and that said, you know, net net income has been has been up. Uh, but it's maybe not as strong as you'd like it to be.
0: Yeah. And so I think what we saw even in that home rental segment, um, they are still struggling. I think there's um, some concerns, especially with competition like Airbnb out there. Um, And then also, I think um, in listening to the conference call, there was a decision, I think, to streamline a lot of its brands to further emphasize VRBO. So, I think that will likely hurt the stock in the short term, although I do think over the long term, it makes sense to put more emphasis, more emphasis, especially when it comes to SEO and uh, getting just an optimized ranking on Google Sites, because Google is both friend and foe in this space. <laughs> um, and so, I think short-term headwinds for Expedia, but I think long-term, their, their renewed focus in this space makes sense.
1: Yeah, and there's a short-term, let's call it legislative problem, that the whole concept of renting out your home for short-term term basis, has been dealt with in a lot of tourist markets or or some of the bigger cities. But the vast majority of the country still has to decide sort of how it's going to handle it. I know that in my building, and I live in downtown West Palm Beach, Florida, you are only allowed to rent your property 11 times a year, and it has to be for at least a month. So some people rent for shorter terms and find clever ways around it by writing the lease for a month. And some people just flaunt the rules. And that's going to become an issue. There's going to be taxation. There's going to be, Pushback from hotels, and for the next two or three years, I expect there to be a little bit of instability in that business, as you see certain cities crack down, certain cities lighten up. But that is all going to get worked out, largely because you can see where the economy is going. We're past the point where sort of this whole you know gig economy and and Airbnb and VRBO sort of fit into that. It's an individual renting out their home to make extra money, uh, for the most part. That's all going to happen, and. So, the near-term outlook is maybe a little bit uneven for that business. The three- to five-year outlook is that this is going to be a growth area, and Expedia owns one of the two names that matters in the space.
0: Yeah. And so, the the that entire segment, houses, apartments, um, non-hotel-like properties, they make up about 20% of all accommodations out there. So, you could see this certainly uh, gaining traction over time, but you made a great point just about the regulatory landscape, very similar to with Uber and Lyft. Um, They're plowing ahead and regulations then have to catch up. So, I think, yeah, in the short term, you're going to continue to see some headwinds there. But, Dan, if you had to pick as an investor between Booking Holdings and Expedia, which would you say is your your top pick?
1: Well, I'm going to go and point out that I wouldn't invest in either for the reason I spoke of before. I think every brand that I'm regularly a customer of is going to figure out how to have a direct relationship with me. And that is going to cut away some of my business from third party booking services. If I had to pick, I believe in the Priceline branding more than I believe in sort of the Expedia travel agent model. I think people want a deal, and I don't think the the core Expedia offering sort of offers a deal uh, convenience, and it's a very good product. It does, a, you know, the technology is all great, but Priceline is somewhat of that lottery where you might save a lot of money, and and I think you know just for that reason, I'd be more inclined to do that. But honestly, I wouldn't invest in either one.
0: Yeah, I can see uh, the argument on both sides. I think if I had to choose one, it would probably be Booking.com. I think that massive global presence, granted it's no longer growth story, and it's not a growth story for Expedia either right now, but I think that massive European presence um, and their partnerships that they're making with um, OTAs in China as well are intriguing to me. Um, I think... As booking tries to really strengthen its network effects through um, acquisitions and really trying to stand up a lot of these other verticals that they're going after, I think the concern for me is with so many different brands, and this even applies to Expedia, How do they make sure that they stay focused? Um, Because at one point, booking, I think, was even into mortgages. They were doing gas. Um, I do worry about that over time. But I'd say just given the size and the scale and having that, especially when you're competing with the likes of Google and Amazon, I would probably give the hat tip to, to booking.
1: And to give a last thought, we mentioned Open Table. Uh, So Booking owns Open Table, which is a a restaurant reservation service. And they make money by the restaurants paying them. I don't know if it's per booking or that there's a monthly fee, but it's a different model. What they've been doing recently is integrating Open Table into Priceline. Probably other services as well, but I've seen it at Priceline. So when you go in to look at your hotel room, you have a button right there that says Show Nearby Restaurants, and it shows them. In open table, and you can very easily make a reservation. It takes some of the guesswork out of, geez, how far from my hotel is that restaurant? And you could see that becoming a platform where it integrates across a lot more areas. That sort of gives an added value to what Priceline, what Booking.com, what all their other services are doing in general. So you know, it's kind of an outlier of a product, but it actually strengthens the whole brand. And frankly, it makes a lot more sense than being the Priceline of mortgages, which I think they were at one point.
0: Yeah, totally true. And they're also doing um, this attractions business where they're trying to generate some revenue off of some of the activities and tours and things that you do when you go to some of these cities. So so they're certainly trying. Um, again, this is not a growth story. And I think if you're an investor, as long as you recognize this isn't really a growth story right now, um, it's going to be slow going. But all in all, I mean, I, I, I think Stay in a way until I think we get a better idea of what is going to happen on the competitive landscape, landscape makes the most sense.
1: I'm with you on that.
0: Alright. Well, that will do it uh, for us here in the Industry focused Consumer goods Show. Uh, we want to thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. This show is being mixed by Austin Morgan. For Dan Klein, I'm Shannon Jones. Thanks for listening and full on.